This is the LCJ Q&A podcast. I'm Lights Camera Jackson. Thank you for listening. Great friend of mine. We've known each other for a long time. Has some exciting animated projects in the works. One of them is out this Friday, October the 8th on Netflix. Brand new adventure series, A Tale Dark and Grim. Executive producer, Simon Otto. Simon, it's so good to see you. Hey, Jackson. Good to, good to see you. And thanks for having me. Oh, you are so welcome. And what's amazing is that before we get into A Tale Dark and Grim, you are in England. You are working on an animated movie. You are directing for Locksmith Animation, the studio behind the upcoming Ron's Gone Wrong. It is a film called That Christmas. First of all, how's England? How you been doing in England? Oh my God, I'm loving it. It's, it's, it's incredible. Like I'm biking around town as if I'm like in some romantic comedy. It's, it's beautiful. <laughs> that is awesome. That is so great. What can you tell me about that Christmas? I know you're wor- working with Richard Curtis, an absolute icon. Is there anything you can share at this point? Not really. I mean, it really is Richard Curtis, the Christmas movie, and, uh, and we're having the best time doing it. It's, um, it's a movie based on his children's books. He's, uh, he wrote uh, three children's books that have uh, come out over the last few years, and we're turning those into an animated feature that is written by, by the Richard Curtis himself. I am so happy for you. I am so thrilled, and, and we all can't wait to see that movie. And speaking of uh, taking something from a book series and turning it into an animated project, we've got A Tale Dark and Grim based on another trio of books, I believe. What attracted you to these books? Well, I, I was given the book to read right after I left DreamWorks. And um, Chris Henderson, who's a friend of mine who I've had interacted with before, said, hey, you should read this. This is something really cool. And we're, we're thinking of maybe doing something with it. And I read it and immediately called him back and said, that, that, that can be made. That's going to that's gonna go. I think we're, we got, I mean, you got, you got something really great on your hands. I said, well, do you want to be involved? I said, sure. That sounds amazing. Let's, let's develop. And can I please meet Adam Gidwitz, who's the writer? And, you know, I just, the moment I, I spoke to him and I watched him do his sort of, like he's, he's, he's a school teacher turned uh, novelist and he, there's some clips of him online, like talking to school children and the way he wraps these kids around his fingers and brings them into the, the story is really phenomenal, and we thought, let's 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 you know use that magic that he brings to his uh, his books and his podcasts, and find a way to turn it into a TV show. Nice. I like how you describe how he hooks kids in with these stories, and this show really hooks you in as well. What were some of your goals in wanting to tell this kind of Hansel and Gretel story? I mean, what was really fascinating to me is this idea that when you read a grim fairy tale or any kind of fairy tale from that period, you go like, ooh, I'm not sure you can tell this story today. Like, we have to sanitize it and somehow make it, you know, kid-friendly and all that stuff. And in, in a way, that's, there's something lost in that. I mean, I'm sure there's, a, there's lots of things about it that you, you, know, you would maybe question today, but... What I love what Adam Gilbert did in his novels is he took the, uh, the stories and then um, helped the kids through it, like in a way that actually intrigues them even more, which is, for example, he's like, well, and then, uh, oh, maybe I can't tell you this part. Uh, maybe you are too young. You should probably go to bed right now because it's going to be really scary. 
and by saying so, the kids are even more interested in, and the, the humorous aspect of it helps them through what, you know, are, are relatively complex storylines and, 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 and dark storylines. And, and in that sense, it, it allows the kids to experience things, you know, kind of complex emotions that uh, because of the humor, because of the, the, the narrator helping you through understanding and maybe getting through it and, and getting to the next thing in that story. I think that's what really fascinated me about it. And we really tried to find a way to keep that tone from Adam, Adam Gidwitz's books in our film, uh, in, our, in our series. And, you know, I, I think it's, it makes it even more surprising and, and, and challenging and, and wonderful. Yeah, you use the three birds in this to, as the narrators to guide us, to guide the children. You're right about those breaking the fourth wall moments. Were there any, you said challenges. What were the challenges of this great humor and, and love breaking the fourth wall? But that, that's not always easy to pull off in animation. Yeah, it's, and it's very unusual. Uh, but the fourth wall really gives you that, gives you that experience. If the, if the narrator looks at you and says, maybe look away or close your eyes or use the pillow or something uh, that a engages the kids directly and makes them actually want to want to get through it and want to see it and, and, and understand the, the humor about it that maybe sometimes something dark can be seen through a filter our, our story is really about understanding it's about understanding your parents understanding you know why parents may sometimes make difficult decisions or decisions that you may not like as a child or that maybe sometimes parents make the wrong decisions because you know they're flawed human beings as well and in a way we hope that this show is a show that kids will watch you know with their parents so they can talk about it uh, or that they have a shared experience that's emotional because ultimately this show in our minds does it all it's it's funny it's scary it's dramatic and it's ultimately really emotional. Like it, it has a very emotional conclusion and you really go through an, uh, an adventure with, with our heroes. Mm. And you mentioned scary. And I think it would be nice for a shared experience because there are going to be moments where kids are like, wait, what kind of crazy violent moment just happened? And you, you use some creative ways of depicting violence. Did you ever feel like you were maybe going a little bit too far? Our goal was always we want to scare kids but not scar them, right? In a way, we want to build it up right to the moment where kids may a little bit like, oh, I'm not sure this is good. And right then we sort of come in uh, with comedy and we try to set up those rules right from the beginning of the show. So if you get, you know, if you get into those moments and you feel comfortable or you laugh along with it, the show is going to be great for you, you know? And I think... Um, if there are kids that are a little bit younger that may be actually scared, although I think there's sort of an age group where uh, it may be a little bit uh, dicey, but, but that's really, really young. Because I think generally kids will get the humor, will feel like they're in safe hands because they, they are being get guided through with the help of these three Raven narrators. And the fact that the Ravens are telling us a story that they experience but it's it's a story nonetheless and i think that gives you that sort of uh, multiple layer version of the story that makes you feel a little bit more okay with it you know and so you, you're hopefully you're going to be able to laugh along 
while also knowing this is a little bit meant to be a little bit cheeky, creepy, right? I mean, that's why yeah, it yeah. gets released around Halloween and, and, and hopefully, you know, builds the excitement up to that period of the year. Oh, yeah, it, it definitely will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I think once you get into the vibe after the first five minutes or so, at the, at the first twist happens and then you get the vibe, you understand where we're going as far as the tone and it makes sense and, it, and it's entertaining in that way a tale dark and graham executive producer simon otto is with me here on the lcj q a podcast it premieres this friday october 8th on netflix you're the executive producer one of the developers you're the supervising director as well wearing a lot of hats on this you juggled a lot huh well you know it was a it was a, a period of time right where you sort of you developed the project from 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 basically just the book, um, and you get together with a, a small group of people, and then of course, as as it goes with these big projects, I mean, think about it: it's four hours of entertainment at a quite a high quality level, mm. uh, done during a pandemic in a little over two years. Uh, so so the teams build like they get bigger and bigger and uh, yeah so my role evolved because I wasn't actually on the floor the the show the episodes were directed by uh, veteran director Jamie Whitney and produced by Audrey Relishka from Jamfield and Boat Rocker companies behind behind actually making making and executing the, the show so I was there from the beginning developing it and then eventually uh, sort of moved into along with uh, a few other people like David Henry or um, uh, Doug Langdale and uh, Bob Higgins together we sort of over oversaw the, the execution of, of, of the actual episodes. Mm. You mentioned this is a journey and What's interesting is that you've been a part of a lot of animated films and series that are big journeys, big adventures, most notably the How to Train Your Dragon trilogy, one of the best animated trilogies of all time. What appeals to you about animated adventures and epic stories specifically? I'm really interested in in projects that have a wish fulfillment aspect to them, where you get to experience a world, a place, set of characters, in a way that you have never been, haven't ever experienced before, and that kind of viscerally takes you onto, uh, uh, you know, a journey or a ride or uh, an experience, and 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 also in a way that you kind of forget your own world and forget yourself and and live out this thing that you have in front of you. That's something I'm very interested in, and within that, in, within those worlds, I want to have fun i want to have i want to feel you know drama i want to feel emotions i want to be i want to believe in the world that i'm being told i think more than anything else i love the visceral aspect of of film and i love to um be able to believe in the world in the characters like i i love really funny animated films uh, you know, there's a, a whole number of comedies that could never be done by me because I don't have, you know, that exact sensibility that those comedies have, the really broad slapsticky comedies. I love those, but I'm really somebody who loves like a, a, a world that I can believe in, that I can hold on to and, and, and that fulfill my fantasies, like sort of making films for my 12-year-old self, you know, is what I'm most interested in. And, and the project that I had the chance to work on particularly over the last, you know, 10, 15 years, we're all doing that, which is an amazing blessing for me as a, as a, as an animator and as a 
storyteller. Yeah, yeah. And and a new generation of kids will get that out of this. And I think with what you did with Dragon, it was, you know, I was a certain age when the first movie came out and then the second movie came out. And then when the third movie came out and you, like you were telling, saying before, building and building and building and resonating with the characters and being deep into that world and getting that connection and understanding. It's cool, the projects that you have been a part of. And when it comes to tale dark and grim, I would imagine that this experience was not dark and grim for you working on an animated show <laughs> like this. It, can you pinpoint a, one specific fun moment from this entire experience? Oh my God, there's so many. I mean, one of the funniest unexpected thing was the fact that we had to record all these amazing actors, you know, um, <laughs> in all different places, like Jonathan Banks, you know, from uh, Better Call Saul, yeah. uh, you know, who uh, basically was telling us about, you know, that's the only thing I can, I can do. It's the only, you know, the only time, you know, I was left out of my house to be able to come to this and do these voices in some like hidden booth because most people were, um, where, you know, recording from home. So we had several moments where I remember one specific moments with Andre Robinson. And uh, he was um, the first recording out of his house. We did like an hour and the, the, our tech person, uh, no, actually I think it was our voice director um, who asked, so Andre, um, can you check that, the, you know, that we're recording and it's recording okay? And he went like, oh, <laughs> so we did like an hour of recording, which is nothing in the grand scheme of things, but right. where, where he like actually didn't record. Like, so all these technical hurdles and, you know, like hearing like lightning strikes in the background and people not being able to make it to the recordings, like all that stuff. Like we had so much fun in, in sort of like laughing at the absurd absurdity of doing all this while the world is going, uh, you know, belly up right. <laughs> in a way. Was there was some shared humor about that that we that we all really enjoyed and and you know really we, we had so much fun making this show you know it was very intense particularly um, for the studio uh, in in Toronto like they they had to like the mountain they had to climb to get this show done and then, yeah. and I wasn't on the floor so I'm sure to them oftentimes it wasn't fun anymore but. The team you know this team spirit and the working together and the sort of accepting that. You know, we're gonna make the best out of this, and we're gonna be we're gonna be ambitious, but we're also never gonna lose the smile mm. uh, on our faces while doing this because it was a dark time during mm. during which we made this this whole thing. So in a way, we all were taught a lesson by the show itself that even in the face of darkness, you have to have a smile on your face. You have to like burst the bubble of, of darkness with humor and, and mm. just laugh about it. And, and that helped us through it. That, that made it yeah. fun for everybody. You overcame obstacles with a positive attitude, made Absolutely. it work. Yeah. My last question for you, Simon, before we wrap things up here on this episode, a lot of people interpret the term fairy tale a little bit differently. Some use it in a romantic sense. Some people apply it to their life. I mean, can you exactly ply, apply the term fairy tale to your life and specifically your animation career? Has it really felt to you like a fairy tale or something a little bit different than that? I, I never called it a fairy tale, but you know, like considering that I was a young boy in Switzerland in the mountains of, in the snowy mountains of Switzerland, telling my, my, my parents and you know, my school advisors that I want to become an animator when I was like 12 or 13 years old, mm. That was a little bit like telling them I wanted to be 
uh, you know, a, a sailor in the Swiss Navy and Switzerland doesn't have an ocean famously or, or, or like becoming an astronaut in the Swiss space program, which doesn't exist. So they all looked at me as like, what are you talking about? The fact that I actually got there via, you know, Paris and all these different places. And I, I ended up being an animator on an, on an animated feature and a 2D animated feature of all, all things. That's what I started with on the Prince of Egypt. Like, it's still sometimes I have to sit down and remind myself what a lucky, you know, lucky person I was because it wasn't just determination or talent or anything. Like it was really luck and, you know, the gates opened at the right time for me. And I still, I'm still enjoying it as much as I, as I have, uh, you know, all throughout my career. What's really amazing about it is that I was somebody who had a dream, such as yourself, I think. Yeah at a young age where I knew what I wanted. And, you know, I, I, I think most people don't know what they want until much, much later in life. And on top of that, I still enjoy what I do. I still would go back and make the same choices in terms of general career direction. I would maybe, you know, make different choices along the way in terms of where or how, or, but, but that's, that's a real blessing. That may, be, that may be a fairy tale thing that's so rare, you know, uh, so I, I definitely count my blessings. Well, yeah, we both had dreams that we were young, knew what we wanted to do when we were young, have been going after it, pursuing it. And we've all in the animation community have loved seeing what you have created. And we can't wait for that Christmas. And I think everybody listening to this cannot wait to watch A Tale Dark and Grim this Friday, October 8th on Netflix. Simon Otto, so good to see you. Thank you so much. Thank for you, Jackson. All my best to you and your family. Thank you so much. Will do. Thanks so much. All see right. Ya. I'm Lights Camera Jackson. Thanks for listening to this episode of the LCJ Q&A podcast. For more, go to lights-camera-jackson.com.